Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, in the passage that uh, Avery read this morning, I would just like to uh, call your attention to just one line. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people hear this wrong. They think that it says, for everything, give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, give thanks, does it? It says in everything, give thanks. Big difference because uh, there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, you shouldn't give thanks for, but that doesn't mean that you can't give thanks in certain situations and in any situation. And the people of God above all people should be a grateful people. It should be a mark uh, of, uh, of a Christian that they have hearts filled with gratitude. The uh, flip side of that is definitely true. If you brought your Bibles with you, turn to Romans, the, uh, uh, the, the first chapter. And if you look at the 21st verse, look what it says there. In Romans uh, uh, 1, 21, uh, Paul is talking about the consequences of unbelief. And he's talking about unbelievers. In fact, I'm going to build, begin back up in the 18th uh, verse and go down to the 21st verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And it goes on. And sad to say, as you read through Romans, the first and the second chapter, you see the direction that mainline denominations are taking right now, moving farther and farther away from God's will and God's word and embracing the world. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, but we see that happening even in the church. And uh, we saw, we see that in the last days, uh, Jesus said that things like this were going to happen. And so uh, this makes it an exciting time because we're living in the last days. We may get to see him come. He may come before we leave here today. And I know that kind of bothers you teenagers over here because there's a lot of stuff that you'd like to do before he gets here. I know that. Let me go ahead and assure you, anything that's good in this world is just a foretaste of what's waiting for you in heaven. It says that the good things that happen here are just the first fruits of what's going to be in store for us in heaven. A lot of you are have farmed in the past or raised vegetables or something, you know, there'll be that time whenever the first tomato gets ripe on the vine. 
and you take that tomato and you eat it and you can tell what the whole crop is going to be like, can't you? That first fruit lets you know how good the rest of it's going to be. And that's one of the things that we know is that the the goodness of God uh, that we experience here is just an inkling of what's in store for us. So don't be worried about the Lord coming, young people. Uh, If he comes and you get to go and meet him in the air, he's got something really cool waiting for you on the other side. Okay, it's going to be all right. Uh, My grandkids, well, my kids used to fret about that. They used to think, no, I just, for, for one thing, they thought, my, my, I had a daughter that thought that he was going to, that he was going to kill everybody because that's the only way he could go to heaven was to die. And uh, <laughs> let me assure you, that doesn't happen either. It says that, uh, don't you know that we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, we'll all be changed. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then uh, the rest of us will join up and meet him in the sky. And so uh, uh, that's that's what we have to look forward to. So, uh, but anyway, uh, one of the signs of unbeliever of being an unbeliever is to be ungrateful. And if you are ungrateful, I encourage you to check your heart this day, because we see all through Scripture, all through the old, all through the New Testament that the indication of being God's is being grateful to him. And we have this command, basically, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, it makes sense that we would be a grateful people. Uh, Think about those people that are unsaved and and have this characteristic of ingratitude. Sharon and I were talking about this on the way in here. Another preacher was talking about how gratitude always has an object. And uh, if you have turned your back on God, if you're somebody that doesn't know him, then who do you have to be thankful for, for the good things in your life? Uh, if you're an unbeliever, first of all, there's luck. That's what you get a lot of people that uh, really aren't the Lord's, they attribute any good thing that happens to them just as luck. Who do you think when you're lucky? I know they've tried to personify luck. You know, uh, 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 Frank Sinatra did, Luck Be a Lady Tonight. Wasn't that the name of the song? Talk about Lady Luck. Uh, but uh, if, if there's no no person, no object for gratitude. Some people think that anything good that happens is just fate. They're fatalistic, and just anything that happens is what happens, and that's it. Who do they have to be grateful for when something wonderful happens in their lives? And then others, they think they've done it all themselves. Who are they going to think? Break their arm, patting themselves on the back? You know, I mean, it's what, you know, they have no object. And yet all of us have within us, it's a part of what Paul was talking about when he was talking to the Romans. We do have this God sense within us. And we know whenever that sense of gratitude wells up within us, that it's there to be directed toward someone. And that someone is God Almighty. And whenever we come to know him as Lord and Savior, and we come to know his goodness, then it's so wonderful to be able to thank him and to be grateful. But this was a characteristic of Jesus. 
And I just want to lift up three places where he was character, where he was, uh, he, he, he gave thanks. The first one uh, that I can remember is uh, whenever he had sent the disciples out, he gave them instructions, go out, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, uh, and, uh, and, and, and cast out demons. And he sent 70 of them out, it says. And said, then they came back rejoicing. And they said, Lord, even the demons have to go in our name. And Jesus prayed a prayer and he thanked God. And he said, I thank you, Father, that you have uh, revealed these things to babes and hidden them from the wise. Now, he's talking about his disciples and he's calling them babies and he's calling them unwise. Have you ever noticed that before? You could look on that as an insult, but the thing is, these guys, I'm so glad Thanksgiving's right out of the corner because we can call them what they were a bunch of turkeys. You know, let's just face it. Let's face it. Do you know, uh, at a, I, you know I, I, I'm an Aggie, and uh, I try not to mention this very often, hardly ever mention it from the pulpit because I want to be able to minister to, to everybody, and, it's, uh, and, uh, and I don't want this to come between me and you if you're uh, not on board with, with A&M, but there, the thing is, is that uh, one of the first words that I learned at A&M, and, and, and in the core, they have a lot of words that are very different than uh, words that you use in everyday life, and one of them was gobbler, and uh, a gobbler was a person that just couldn't get it right. You're marching along there, and uh, the order comes about face. The gobbler is the guy that would take an extra step and knock an entire column out as everybody else immediately did the about face and started walking over it because they had orders and they were supposed to keep on going. So we just mess everything up. They're the guys that couldn't uh, get their beds made well enough to where a quarter would bounce on it. And so the whole outfit would wind of a freshman would be punished because one guy couldn't make his bed upright. Those guys that were the, that that happened to they just couldn't get it right they called them gobblers they were like a gobbler's like a a square pig fitting in a round hole just doesn't work does it maybe you felt like that sometime maybe you felt inadequate for the task maybe you felt like you're just not really cut out for what's facing you right now well that's exactly the sort of people that the Lord chose to be his disciples, you see. Square pegs wouldn't fit into round holes very well. Paul felt like that himself many times. A square peg, round hole, just didn't feel like he fit. In fact, he felt so inadequate at one time. He had a deficiency in some area and he prayed. Oh, he prayed three times, he said, that this thorn in his flesh would pass. And then the word came from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul went on from there and said, therefore, I will rejoice in my weaknesses because when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. That's whatever God is glorified through me. When things happen that shouldn't have happened through me. God gets the glory. And so maybe some of you are feeling inadequate this morning, not up to the task that you feel like the Lord's called you to. Well, 
That's exactly the sort of people he calls, folks. And so he said, Lord, I'm just so glad you revealed this stuff to yahoos and not to smarty pants. You know, he just, uh, he's, he's so glad the things that are really important are so simple that people that are trying to be smart can't even see it. And so uh, if you're feeling inadequate today, take heart. You're in really good company. There's so many times I feel so short, like I fall so short. And I remember what Paul said and what the Lord said to Paul. And I take comfort in that. And then many times I do see God work whenever at the beginning, I couldn't see how anything could happen. And let's face it, many times in life, we'll wind up in situations where it looks like nothing good could happen at this point. From this moment, it's going to be bad. And yet you know that God has brought you to this point. And this is just it. This is one of the reasons why we can be grateful all the time is because on over in Romans in the eighth chapter, Paul goes ahead and he says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who are called by God, who are called according to his purposes. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so if you've been called by him and you've responded to that call and you are living your life for him, then even the things that look bad at the time are going to work together for good for you. Look at Joseph. My goodness, how many times did things look just awful for him? Okay, he winds up uh, ticking off his brothers and they throw him in a well. And that's bad. Not really, because uh, they uh, because they had him there and they didn't kill him. They decided they'd sell him into slavery. And that's bad. Not really, because they had been sold into slavery. Then he wouldn't have wound up... Uh, in, in Egypt and wouldn't have wound up being in Potiphar's house where he wound up being uh, falsely accused, and that's bad, and thrown into prison, and that was bad. No, it wasn't because, you see, while he was in prison, that's where he got to know the uh, uh, cupbearer for, uh, for the Pharaoh and uh, where uh, it got to be known by fellow prisoners, including this cupbearer, that the Lord would give him interpretation of dreams. And so things did begin to change a bit and finally began to turn around after being in prison for several years. Joseph winds up, even though he did get to be the run the prison, he uh, uh, wound up being second man in charge of all of Egypt. And that was good because it put him in the place to where he could provide for his family and preserve the Jewish people. You see, all things worked together for good uh, for Joseph because Joseph was called according to God's purpose. And he remained faithful to God even when things looked bad. And that's Jesus. Look what Jesus happens to Jesus. We see him, first of all, they've got all these people out there and it's time to eat. And they bring five loaves and two fish. And what does Jesus do? He gave thanks, didn't he? Jesus gave thanks. It looked bad. The situation looked bad. It would have been very embarrassing if he's passed out and got past two people and all the fish and loaves were gone, wouldn't it? And yet it didn't happen that way, did it? He gave thanks and then he acted 
how the father in, in the way the father wanted him to act. And this is a pattern for us. Whenever we know what's facing us and we know it looks bad and yet we know it's what God wants us to do, we should just give thanks and take the step. Because whenever you take the step, that's whenever whenever you're living in faith, that's when you get to see good things happen. Well, he took the step. All the people were fed and there were baskets full of stuff left over, right? Well, the next place we see Lazarus's tomb. The situation seemed impossible. He's standing there in front of Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus has been dead. It's the fourth day. And what does he do as he's standing there? He thanks his heavenly father. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you have heard me. Some of you may be in a spot where it seems like the situation is impossible. You've reached the end of the road. It looks like everything is just dead and there's nowhere to go from there. It looks like it's just all over and you've prayed. What you need to do next is thank the Father for hearing you and in faith know that he has heard you and then take that next step in faith. Well, the next step for Jesus was to tell them to roll away the stone from the tomb and then to call out, Lazarus, come forth. That could have been an awkward moment. I bet it was if there was a bit of a silence there as everybody just waited to see what was going to happen next. What's going to come out, Lazarus or flies, you know? And uh, here comes Lazarus walking out. He acted. Jesus gave thanks and took the steps. They knew he was supposed to take in faith. And then finally we see Jesus at the Last Supper. And he told them when he got them together, I have been so looking forward to this. Wow. He's getting ready to go and die. And he took the bread and he gave thanks, it says, and he broke it. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he shared it. And then he went to the cross. Again, it looked like it was all over. It looked impossible for anything good to come. And yet his resurrection came forth from that. Do you see the pattern? Jesus gave thanks in faith, knowing that his heavenly father was good, knowing that his heavenly father had good things in store for him, no matter how bad things might look. That's the sign. That's a mark of being a Christian. It's the same all the way through. You know, Paul says at one place, I have learned to be, I have learned the secret of being content. I have learned to have plenty and handle it rightly. And I've learned how to get along without much anything. He goes on, he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. There's something that I learned. I, I learned this thing about thanksgiving, this particular passage, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, is uh, very special to me because you see there was a point back in 1980 where I was laying flat on my back in Wadley Hospital in Texarkana, Texas, and uh, I didn't know if I was going to live or I was going to die. I was so ill that... Uh, I was so jaundiced 
so ill that I, it was just, I, my eyes would just go dark sometime. I couldn't even see. I sure couldn't feed myself. And I didn't know if I was going to live or die. And I was laying there, griping at God. And I remember laying there praying, what am I doing here? God, I've seen you heal people. I have seen you cause brain tumors to just disappear. You called me to 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 serve you. And what am I doing here flat on my back where I can't do anything? Why aren't you hearing me? Why don't you heal me? And the only thing, and all of a sudden, the scripture just popped into my mind. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I thought, where did that come from? God, why don't you? And I started griping at God again. And I just kept on griping. And every time I'd gripe, this verse would come into my head. And every, this is what, see, this is what, one of the ways that God speaks to me is through scripture. Uh, and it's just in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was praying and God was giving me an answer, but I wasn't listening to him. I had my own agenda and this is what, and we're prone to do this, aren't we? When things are going the way that we think we ought, they ought to go, we gripe at God instead of being grateful to God. And so I was griping at God and all of a sudden I realized, whoa, this is of God and I am disobeying God by not doing what he's telling me to do in his word, through his word and speaking it right into my heart. And so I had to say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. Here I am griping at you instead of obeying you. Please forgive me. And then I began to give thanks. And I must say it was a stretch. It was uh, difficult to, for, as I started. It was kind of awkward. Okay, okay, God, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm thankful that I'm laying here in this hospital bed instead of out under a banyan tree in the jungle somewhere or something. Banyan trees probably don't grow in a jungle. But anyway, uh, probably, anyway, I'm, I'm, instead of being somewhere else, I'm here in a hospital. I thank you for nice, clean sheets. I thank you for people taking care of me. I thank you that my insurance kicked in last week. And if I die, I'm not going to be a burden to my, to my family. I thank you that if I do die, I know I'm going to be with you. I thank you that you promised me when you called me to be yours and called me into the ministry that you loved my family more than I did. I thank you that I know that if anything happens to me, you will take care of mine. I thank you for that. And I kept finding things to be thankful for, and it got easier to find things to be thankful for. And as I kind of got adjusted to the fact that if I died, everything was going to be okay, uh, then uh, I got to the point to where I was able to say, Lord, whenever you called me, you called me to just be the best me for you that I could be. And I can't be much for you right now, laying here flat on my back in this hospital bed. But I ask you to help me now to let this feeble little light shine. Help me let this little light shine the best I can where I am. Help me, Lord, to serve you right where I am with what I've got. I had no idea you could do so much ministry laying flat on your back and running out of energy real quickly. 
Turns out that one of my nurses was battling cancer and she worked on Sundays and couldn't even go to church and pray. I got to be there to hear her, to counsel with her, to pray with her while she was taking care of me. If I'd been anywhere else, I would not have been there for her. I had a a friend who became one of my best friends uh, who was going through a tough time uh, at First Methodist in in Texarkana. The pastor there would come and uh, I was a great listener. You know, sometimes he could dump on me and I wasn't going anywhere. I had plenty of time. And so I could lay there and I could listen to my friend's problems and I could uh, assure him that I was there for him, <laughs> literally. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, uh, a great friendship drew out, grew out of that encouragement for him. And uh, he and his wife became some of our dearest friends ever. But uh, anyway, I wouldn't have been there for him. I wouldn't have gotten to even put my career on the line for him later if I hadn't been laying there flat on my back uh, at that point in time. Uh, one of our uh, church members wound up uh, going through. She discovered that her husband was having an affair. She was heartbroken. She needed somebody to talk to. She needed somebody to pray with. And I was there. I wasn't going anywhere. It's amazing. As I just asked the Lord to let my help me let my little light shine where I was and just be the best. I just asked him, Lord, just help me to be the best hospital patient I can be for you. If you can't do anything else, there's always something you can do, you see. And I discovered that. Amazing thing is, or then the next thing after I thanked him for all this stuff, I said, Lord, please forgive me for being disobedient to you. And help me, Lord, from this point on. Well, you know what? From that moment on, I began to get better. It's like the main thing I did, I needed to do was get my focus right. Get it off of me and what God was going to do through me and get my eyes on him and just realize I was his. Another thing that I, that came out of that, I was out of the church for six weeks and it didn't die. You know, sometimes we think that... Uh, We carry the whole world on our shoulders and the weight of whatever we're doing, it's on our shoulders and nothing's going to keep on going if we're gone. I discovered that uh, uh, through that, that uh, nobody needed me. (laughs) It turns out that what the, the, the most important thing that I learned out of all of that was God allows me to serve him. God blesses me by letting me serve him and giving me opportunities to serve him. And that's very different than plotting and planning and deciding what you're going to do for God. And so out of all, out of my feeling of just utter, total inadequacy and my being basically in rebellion against God, he taught me to in everything. See, I wasn't, he didn't, I didn't thank him for being sick. You see the difference there? In everything, give thanks. In whatever situation you find yourself in, give thanks. And I've discovered that one of the things that comes out of that is your faith will be built up. Because as you begin to thank him, you're going to begin to see that God has been at work in your life. You're going to see that God has brought you to this point. And uh, as you look back and you see that, then all of a sudden you can realize 
I have been through so many things with the Lord in the past, and he has helped me through so many things in the past. I know I can trust him with my present and my future. And you can thank him. You can thank him. And so I want to encourage you to embrace this verse. I hope you don't have to learn it the way that I did. But some of you, in some way, are there right now. And so if you wind up, you see these situations that Jesus was in, uh, uh, the loaves and fishes, just didn't look like there was enough. I can remember at one point uh, thinking, uh, we, well, let's say I'm not even going to go there. But just let me tell you, no matter where uh, you are, give thanks. In whatever situation you're in, give thanks. If it doesn't look like there's enough, give thanks for what there is. If the situation looks impossible, give thanks for what God's going to do. If it looks like it's going to all be over in just a minute, give thanks because somehow God's going to make a way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.